Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Pilot Light, a podcast where we watch a pilot and then we wisecrack about it. My name's David and these three-hour workdays are killing me. <laughs> my name's Sam and where's my two-hour work week? And I'm Joe and I've left my galoshes in Europe again. <laughs> <laughs> so Dave, I think it's I think he works two hours a week. No, no, no. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a second, Sam, because there's, there's this, this disputing thing here. So this week we watched The Jetsons um, and to... to, to to be clear, we watched the first episode, which aired on September the 23rd, 1962, which is 58 years ago. It's been a while. Yep. It's and a long time as ago. always, you know, um, we, we're, we're really, uh, we've got our finger on the pulse of pop culture. Um, <laughs> so we watched this primarily, and we're going to start doing this more and more militantly. We watched this because it was free on Amazon Prime. Yeah, all three seasons, um, including the, the, <laughs> the stuff from the 80s as well. Yeah, although not the movie, maybe. Um, I am not. I didn't see that. Oh, the movie. <laughs> is, that, is that a 90s movie, I think? Yeah, 1990, I think, yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, but they, I, think, think... I think they made that just before all of the voice cast died. Um, most of whom died in like 88 or 89, I think, like the big ones. Um, wow. So that's quite respectful, isn't it? It is. Um, I'm I'm sidebarring our how much does George Jetson work until you give me, Sam, a summary of what this televisual extraordinaire is about. <laughs> so the Jetsons are a family living in the future. They have all manner of technological appliances to have around the house, and George Jetson works at Spacely Sprockets, doing his best for his family. It's um, it's the Flintstones in space, isn't it? That's basically what it is. And that's George okay. Jetson sounds a lot more like Fred Flintstone than I recall. Yeah, Wilma. <laughs> um, it is. It's that Hannibal Barra classic cartoon that kind of spawned um, all of the all of the stuff that we watch now. You know, like the, the Simpsons and Futurama, Family Guy, American Dad. A lot of it comes from this type of thing. Yeah. Um, also, what comes from this? This I think this, I think the Jetsons was the first thing to air in color um, on ABC, the network. Yeah, which yeah, is it was. like have a think about that. <laughs> and can I just point out it had better animation than um, the animated series of Star Trek, which was ten years later than this. Which is the worst thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the, uh, the, the the color thing is interesting, isn't it? Because it's one of those like. My God, you know, the 60s is only when we started getting colour in America and even in the UK, it was a little, uh, kind of a lot later, mostly. But it's the only, it was the only, the first thing to, to air on ABC. However, when you actually break it down, you're like, well, only a few of the ABC local f- um, affiliates had colour, maybe a handful. And then of those people, how many of those stations, how many of their actual viewers had colour TV? I think in the 60s. In the early 60s, you know, it was maybe 5% of the population or something really, really small. <laughs> so it is odd, isn't it? That... Like, colour, um, especially with animation, um, t- TV animation as well. Um, we watch it now, and obviously we're watching colourised versions, and more often than not, really, we're watching remastered, recoloured, touched-up versions. Um, like, the Flintstones is, is the one I wanted to touch on, obviously, because this is... And we'll probably mention the Flintstones a lot during this podcast, because uh, it's kind of like what the Jetsons came from. And um, the Flintstones aired its first couple of seasons uh, in black and white, obviously, because the network didn't 
Air Things in colour, um, which was fine. Uh, but obviously, because it's animation, it's drawn in colour, which means it's really, really easy for, you know, to, for them to have the colour on it. Whereas, so I don't, you know, no one's ever seen Our Age, especially like a a black and white episode of The Flintstones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which is how most of the, you know, most of The Flintstones would have been put out in black and white, wouldn't it? And and then you you, you wonder why they even did it in colour. I guess maybe that was, you know, looking forward... And of course, looking forward to the all-important syndication um, Monday, which is, which is kind of where this show, The Jetsons, um, I guess, developed into the quite defining show that it, I think it, it became. You know, this is like, this is defining sixties futurism. Um, and I mean, it was I, all over the TV when we were young in the nineties. Still, thirty exactly. years after it was made, so exactly, you know, just, just like the Flintstones and all those Disney movies and Tom yes. and Jerry and Looney Tunes and yep, Scooby Doo, and and that's not just a that's not just a nineties revival because, as we mentioned, the second season which came out in the in the mid eighties, so that's still twenty years out from from its original launch to, uh, release date. So you've kind of got a, a sense of. Well, this is even twenty years on. People were interested enough to remake it. You know, there was that viewership there. Um, I watched some of the some of the the second season, and it's amazing how much they just didn't change a thing. They added <laughs> a couple of characters. The animation's the same. The opening credits is literally exactly the same as the sixties one. And you'd think <laughs> for a quote unquote remake that they'd, do, that they'd redo that, but I think it just shows like. What they what they thought was going to sell was continuity Jetsons, and that's kind of what they did. Yeah, um, they wanted the sixties Jetsons, but in the eighties, basically. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I think that's a pretty good choice to make, you know, yeah. in terms of um, because uh, I, as my kind of my view is, this is a pretty fun show. Like this holds up, I think. Um, um, in, I mean, one one thing that I, I must raise that, that kind of threw out the entire episode. Your Honour. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, 1960s, women belong in the kitchen, we get you. I've got you, I've got you chill the fuck down on that. Um, not, uh, not, uh, not only do they belong in the kitchen, but they're also uh, Jane, um, uh, played by Penny Singleton. Is also crap at being a housewife, even yeah. when all she has to do is press buttons. She can't press buttons. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of the joke, isn't it? <laughs> so she has to get a robot to press buttons for her. Yeah. Yes. So um, I guess let's let's talk about like the the quote unquote cast, and obviously we're not going to talk about the voice actors because I just don't think it's an interesting conversation to have about all these people just, who died. Just sing the years theme ago. tune, Dave. That introduces you to the George cast. Jetson. So you've got you've got the core family, and this is like um, this is a '50s sitcom, but like it just takes place. In this sci-fi setting, and what else have we watched? Um, which, which, which we said the same thing about. It's like a really, um, a really like by the numbers sitcom that just happens to take place in like a fantastical. I can't quite think of it off the top of my head, but maybe it'll come to me as we as we go along. Um, well, uh, uh, I don't know, but it's yeah, it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely in that line of like well done, guys. The honey, this is the honeymooners in space, isn't it? Which is. And the Flintstones was this is the honeymooners in the prehistoric times, and you kind of like we we kind of have never left. <laughs> when you think about it, we've kind of never left that. It's the honeymooners in, you know, and everyone's yellow, or um, it's uh, this you know this guy's uh, got a big fat chin, 
or whatever else. Like this is the basic um, premise of the show, and it's that family nuclear family comedy, which is very much of its time in the sixties. Um, kind of like, look at look how difficult these people's lives are. You know, well, with it's kind of like a, home ownership. It's, it's one of these things where it's hard to know because of the age of this. It's hard to know whether this cartoon was pioneering, and obviously it wasn't. Maybe as a cartoon, perhaps, but like whether this show was pioneering or whether everything that has come since just like borrows quite heavily from this. Um, so you know, you've got George Jetson is our is our is our um, the father. So he works. Um, he they're, they're a single income household in the future somehow. I guess the economy must be going absolutely mad. Um, he's got a stay-at-home wife uh, whose name is Jane. Jane Jetson, nice bit of alliteration there. Uh, there's the two kids. There's a 15 year old. What's her face? Her, yes. Yep. Sam name. Judy. Judy Jetson. <laughs> nice, another bit of alliteration. Um, and then there's the boy Elroy, who's six or so. Um, his boy Elroy. His boy Elroy. This is one of and the most like brain wormy, brain wormy theme songs. Um, I think <laughs> of my childhood. I just want to say. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. was, I was a Cartoon Network child, so this this was just on constantly. Wasn't one that I really watched, but uh, I, 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 I always Cartoon used to Network, look out look for you. this. You must have had Sky Joe. That's fancy. Little rich boy. Um, we, did, we did have Sky, yes. <laughs> Mainly the, because when my dad lived watching football. So. We, had, we had council telly, that's what we had. We had council, council telly. We, telly. Just used, we, we used to watch the family over the road through the window. <laughs> <laughs> we used to play with rocks. <laughs> Eat gravel in the little road. So before we lapse entirely into that Monty Python bit again, um, do you want to let's let's talk about George Jetson's job? Like, let's. That's what we were into at the beginning of this. Like, this has now become the left wing podcast about how, like, you know, this sixties dream of the future is woefully inaccurate. So yeah. the line I quoted at the beginning is a line George Jetson says in this episode. However, mm, okay. I do think that. You are right, Sam, in the the canon, so to speak, that it's later stated that he works two hours a week, I think, is what you said. So I think yeah. that's like a later running thing. But in this episode, he says, like, I think when he gets home, these three-hour workdays are killing me. So, like, hence the quote. Um, and, my God. <laughs> three hours. So there's, there's a funny thing in, like, um, Marxist theory, which is... It, you know, as, as as productivity increases, the idea was that you could then have more time for for leisure. You know, like we wouldn't have to work forty hour weeks, and the in the and even the idea of a forty hour week is is completely based on like Victorian. It's totally arbitrary. Eight hours sleep, eight hours rest, uh, eight hours work, eight hours sleep, and eight hours leisure time. Like that's that's the kind of split that they've that they've done it on in terms of you. So. So the fact that these people are working in you know three hour or whatever two hour uh, work days work weeks, I think is a is a is a is a lofty sixties dream, and I kind of think that they're they're maybe teasing that idea a little bit as well. They're having fun with it, but the reality in which we live is that as productivity increases, um, you work exactly the same, if not longer hours. Um, and a very small group of people uh, achieve levels of wealth that literally haven't been seen since the Roman, the decadence of the Roman Empire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, exactly. 
you know, with an individual holding that much um, economic power, like Elon Musk and, and you know Zuckerberg and Bill Gates, we've not just got one Rockefeller. We've got a fucking upper, you know, entire. We've got about of... about 150 of them. Yeah, yeah. and they own everything, um, <laughs> and and you know, so that's that's the hellscape in which we live. Uh, and obviously, we're being asked to work harder and harder, and and also, this is what really offends me: is this like, and I guess it's in like the 60s, but this this. Uh, idea that like a, fa- a family could survive on one income. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not just survive. Have like and, and a nice floating say, house in the sky. You know, but there is a, very... a nice floating house in the sky, Sam. However, the guy at the robot store describes it as a slum clearance. So, um, <laughs> a three bedroom. Ugh, well, this slum is what clearance. we're being told. We're seeing this family living in the lap of luxury, yet we're also told they're poor. Because yeah. I guess that's is, like a good honeymooners plot. Is like, yeah. oh, the family's poor. The bo- he's go- he's going to his boss, as he joins going to his boss, Mister Spacely, um, which is a great <laughs> name, to um, to try and get like a, a raise out of him because they want to buy, you know, a better. What do they call it? It's the uh, the fooderator. It's the like they've got this so in in the oh, house. What's the word for it though? It's well, you look it up. Well, I well I vamp Sam. So yeah. they, they've got this thing in the house that uh, Mrs. Jetson, Jane Jetson uses. It's and, a fooderaka cycle. Yeah, which it. is a great well word. Done, uh, fooderaka cycle. Uh, which is basically just like a. It looks like a. It looks like a one arm bandit, doesn't it? It's got yeah. loads of buttons on it, and 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 they say things like you know eggs, cookies, uh, milk, and you know. Cereal, like stuff like but that. It's going wrong. So the Elroy got a um, hot fudge pizza. Well, do you know what that is? Lovely. It's because it's because the Jetsons version of Elon Musk really wants you to buy a new one every two years. Yeah, exactly. So built, yeah. built to fail technology. It kind of that that scene is very funny. I've got um, in my in my house uh, Alexa devices in most rooms and smart bulbs, and you know it's all timed. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful system. However, my very patient wife. <laughs> I get up in the morning and I can hear her going, Alexa, turn increase brightness, and then it you know opens up and 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 turns on the outside lights or it starts cooking. Well, the problem the problem is Sam that Nicola is unfortunately Scottish and that doesn't and help. The technology is not is not designed for that. <laughs> not, not just Scottish, but like you know close enough to Glaswegian that you know yeah. it's pretty much unintelligible. It's uh... accent. Well, I wouldn't say. go that far. I wouldn't say that about <laughs> Sam's wife. That's uncalled for. It's okay. She'll never listen to this. Um, but but so so it does it does it does kind of make me laugh. Like the the, the same problems exist, and then um, you know George, as I do, get it in the neck for having all of this. this but it, it's so Jane has this like we when we when we pan into the episode, we kind of like we meet the characters in the opening. We've covered that, and and Jane is doing this like uh, it's like exercise tape. Yep. Um, which I wonder how big a thing that was in the sixties because it definitely was a huge thing in the like the eighties and the nineties. But well, not a tape. But what was he called, Mister? Um, I've forgotten his name. The guy who used to be on TV all the di- the time doing it, Mister Something or other, wasn't he? And oh, there, there was loads of them. Um, yeah, there's like a spate of them, and they've kind of gone by the by. Uh, to a certain extent, I'm sure they've just moved online. And basically, <laughs> the, this um, this exercise. Um, program is basically all she's doing is extending and retracting her index finger which is obviously what she uses to press the buttons on this stretch machine those pointing fingers stretch those pointing fingers and apparently those are the only muscles that you need in order to like succeed in this world <laughs> yeah. as we it see does. from george's job as well like all he does is press yes. a button 
It, it does remind me of um, Wally. <laughs> These that? people would be obese, horrible, horrible bone density, and they'd yeah. be floating around in chairs. Yeah, they'd, yeah, they'd have no, no muscles below the hip. Just sidebar, put me in one of these chairs, my God. <laughs> <laughs> with my with my two-hour work week, hell yeah. <laughs> God, I could, die, I could die by 35. I'd, I'd, I'd kill for a two-hour work day, you know. I'd, I'd happily work two hours a day. Yeah. I, honestly, I'd really love like an eight-hour work day all of the time. That would be really pleasant. <laughs> so so, so the, the Jetsons live in this like beautiful um, idyllic land where they're floating in the sky and they, they live in they cloud city around. basically clouds can't lando city. calrissian is like strolling around well this is this is what i want to just, just touch on really there's a great article from the verge um which kind of is headlined the jetsons is actually a, a bone chilling dystopia um which is excellent and it, and it features some of um the jetsons cartoon which is kind of like you know not it's not like official, I don't necessarily think, in terms of the canon, but it's 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 trying to like explore the backstory for this. Um, it's my second favorite stupid fan theory about dystopias after um, Pokemon ex- takes place after nuclear apocalypse. Yeah, well, it's not a fan theory. It, it is it is a DC comic. It was a single issue DC comic, um, and it, it it trying to go digs below the surface to see what was, um, what you know what led to them living in the in the sky and basically this is uh the 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 retcon is that humanity settled in the stratosphere because of the um uh, i think it was a 200 mile long ice meteor crashed into the pacific ocean (laughs) causing you know huge geological disruption um rising ocean levels and then a small slice of humanity was able to escape to these lovely space these space stations in orbit and um and so we've and so we've got this we've got this great setup for a show which is not actually in the show but it does you have to question it you have to say well how did this happen well the An fan, apocalypse that the killed billions theory, of people you know? i'd i'd seen which is the one i was referring to i say fan theory um they're like you know the, the internet sort of meme is is that the jetsons and the flintstones take place in the same time period yes and that <laughs> And that the Jetsons are in their cloud cities. Um, they're like the, the ruling class, so to speak. And, you know, I suppose the George Jetson is like on the lower rungs of that. And the Flintstones are, um, for whatever reason, humanity and technology can't exist on the ground. So <laughs> the Jetsons have all like migrated to these massive like uh, sky cities. And the Flintstones are like the, the poor people who've kind of been left on the ground and they do all like the mining and the raw material mm-hmm. like you know which makes uh, sense production and and anyway I, it really appeals to me just because of how horrific that that sounds can but I, yeah. can I Fred Flintstones wife is hot and he, all he does is go bowlings so it sounds alright really can I Andre. can I put in an alternate theory that they really don't give a toss they just decided to make two completely different cartoons oh alright Joe <laughs> Boo! I said one of the things. One other thing as well, and and this is this this is kind of like for a long time. I think people have mentioned this about the Jetsons and also the Flintstones as well. Is that there are absolutely only white people in this? <laughs> like there is white people. There are no white people robots. of color. There's a purple at, dinosaur in the Flintstones. Yeah, that's about as far as they go. And so when you when you kind of take it back to 
you know, did a did a did a, a geological disaster cause um, this kind of stratification? It's like, was there a race war as well? Like that's, <laughs> that's nope, you know, just made in the sixties, Sam. Yeah, Probably. just made in the sixties. Yeah, we, which we, we we must remember this is um, pre segregation, pre pre the you know abolition segregation. So it's like. Fucking hell! There is there is yeah. absolutely no representation of of, uh, of yeah. If they, had, if they had too. had representation, it would have been seen as like completely out there. That would have been just incredible. It would have been totally strange, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, no, like, totally. It's like, but that, this is what kind of makes this a relic. But I don't think, aside from all of that, all of you know the the, the race issue of it all, and the honeymooners aspect, like this episode to get to get back to our sort of um, raison d'etre is. I, you could imagine something like this being made today. It wouldn't yeah. be good or well received, but you can imagine this exact plot because it's a sitcom plot, and and mm-hmm. and, and by and large, you know, this could be an episode of King of Queens. You know, yeah. they go to buy a new robot, but you know, you know what I mean. So the whole stab of this episode is that um, George Jetson is unhappy with his idyllic life and his really pretty wife and his healthy children who seem, you know, happy and um and his two hour work week. So he wants to go to his boss and say, Listen, I want to raise I've been here for X number of years, blah blah blah. Um the boss on his side um feels aggrieved because his wife doesn't cook for him, by which just sidebar he means doesn't press the buttons on the food uh, what's the word, Joe? Oh god, wreck a cycle or something. Food wreck a cycler, which is not correct. Um, so he basically like invites himself over for dinner at George's house. Can, can uh, I just point out that his boss also says the reason he married his wife was because of her cooking. By which he means pressing a button on the food wreck a cycler, yes. my job. Thirty uh, years ago, though, so I think maybe maybe thirty years ago there was actual cooking. Maybe um, um, who knows. So anyway, so while George is um, desperately and shamefully um, kowtowing to um, his economic superiors, don't do that, kids, um, <laughs> grubbing for a raise for his job, which doesn't cause him a lot of, to lose a lot of leisure time or anything like that. nothing to lose but your chains. Exactly, Joe, exactly. <laughs> Although I suppose there is the question of, and like, also your of like, if you don't pay your mortgage, do they just turn off whatever keeps your house in the sky? <laughs> oh. Well, then you could just head round to Fred Flintstones and you know go bowling. No, then you die on impact, Joe. <laughs> yeah, you die on impact. Or, or when 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 the Flintstones people find you, they claw you to death because they go, you know, there's there's one of the Sky people. And let's <laughs> see. All right, let's talk about the Flintstones for a bit because it, I've always wondered. <laughs> right, I've I've always wondered why we're we'll never getting this plot. No way. Why there's cars and why there's like modern technology in the Flintstones? Because it's it Mad Max. Sense. Well, no, but it makes sense now because they they remember what cars are like. They remember that they had cars, but they don't have any of the electricity or the technology to build them. So they've they've got all these rudimentary things that were there before. It's like a, it's the same with everything, Sam. Like the bowling and things. Like they don't have, they can't produce a bowling ball. They don't have, like I said, they don't have the technology for that, but. Fred Flintstone strikes me as like a third or fourth generation like caveman, you know, like his his um, grandparents' grandparents like lived through the apocalypse. Yeah, 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 like for kind of Fallout style uh, timescales. 
Oh, that's brilliant, isn't it? I love, I love the idea of this. <laughs> so, are we are we saying that Dino isn't actually a dinosaur, but he's some sort of like super mutant? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, perfect. Let's get on this, right? Let's just thanks, listeners. See, see you later. We're going to get on with our with our. It's it's going to be a Flintstones Jetsons Fallout crossover. In fact, yeah, we're, we're actually, you know, the next few weeks of the podcast is actually going to be us designing um, this cartoon. Um, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, guys, the doors are wired and you have to stay for the duration of the podcast. Damn. <laughs> um, Damn. So, to get us back on track, while George is shamelessly kissing the boots of his boss, um, his wife uh, has broken the um, food kegerator. Um <laughs> Sexy and the city. <laughs> Sexy and. <laughs> um, Judy, sorry, I kept saying Jane earlier. Is it Judy Jetson? The mother. Jane. No, Ju- Jane. Jane's the wife. Judy's the daughter. Got you, Jane. Um, Jane Jetson. Don't want to do that incest, Dave. Yep, you don't. Uh, although, uh, I guarantee you that exists online in quantities. Move anyway, on. probably. Um, she wants to. Initially, buy a new food making one arm bandit. Food a racker cycle thing. Food a racker cycle saurus. Um, <laughs> and so she goes to a sales room, and, and we have what really struck me when we were watching it. Um, so she goes and somehow ends up like looking at like uh, robot slaves. Yeah, she's um, she's told to by her mother. She rings her mother complaining about the house. Her mother says, her mother t- Go out and buy um, a sentient machine which you own. Um, because that's fine because it's 1962 uh, and then and then have that do all of your menial tasks yeah. can I can I just interject and say that I think we I don't think we from our lofty position in 2020 can um, really make judgment on the 60s for having abusing sentient uh, robots <laughs> Star Wars Star Trek all of them all of we, them are completely we are as sentient. a society much more much closer to Actually, abusing sentient robots, um, it, or as, especially as it seems like in the industry, the actual push towards uh, more and more realistic robots comes from the sex industry. So there's a lot of consent issues there. If you, if you also um, think about it, we're also closer to the point where those robots rise up and destroy us all. Fingers so, crossed. You know. Absolutely morally justified to do so. Um, oh, I'm, I am with Skynet. You know. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, she goes out and she's looking at all these robots and we have a really funny scene where there, 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 there's three three robots she sees, aren't there? So there's the um, the first one. The English which, one. The English one. And she's like, oh, uh, you know, it's a bit, you know, she doesn't like it. And then we have this, like, I think we sexy all text French each other robot. saying sexy French robot. It's not a sexily drawn French robot. Um, With an engine in the back, like all good models. <laughs> It's such, but like it's the joke. The writing doesn't quite match, like because it's this because of I think when it was made, like it's not a particularly like you know, what's the word? They could have drawn this robot to be sexier, is what I'm saying, and they didn't. Yeah. Well, uh, I think well, I think part of it, what, what part of it will probably have been anybody that did have a TV would have had one TV. So if the kids were watching this, then the adults were probably watching it as exactly. well. So yeah. they had to have something in there that kind of poor kept dads in the sixties. No sexy you know, French robots. There's, there's, well, no, there's no porn hub at that point, Dave, so they've got to have something, you know? <laughs> a dark time, indeed. That's true. <laughs> okay, on, on, when it was, on when it came out, because this came out um, d- like during primetime. This was a primetime show, yeah. and you kind of... You kind of uh, it's kind of weird for us to 
to consider that a cartoon like this would come on at prime time um, because it's not obviously it's not intended for adults and it's not really intended for kids either it kind of sits in that in between as you say yeah. Joe they've, they've got to appeal to the whole family yeah, and, so and there are jokes that do that. You know, there's obviously this, the the French made where they're joking about the engines in the back, and then there's things like the slum. You know, slum clearance for a three bedroomed house. You know, that's more of an adult type kind of joke. Yeah. But so I think it was Sunday nights, if, uh, and then it continued for a year with reruns, um, and then it was cancelled from prime time, and they put the, 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 the they put the syndicated it to Saturday mornings. And that's, I think, where this show really, really took off was because of that, like kids sitting down with their with their bowl of cereal, watching shows like this, and it being a little bit more adult, it, you know, it being a little bit. I was thinking of um, uh, Fairly Odd Parents. Do you remember oh, that? God, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it, I, I kind of not like a a, a cartoon, a kids' cartoon, yes, but a cartoon with kind of adult features in it, you know, things yeah. that you can the appreciate as an adult. And things like that had it as SpongeBob, well. SpongeBob, yeah, all yeah. these things are a little bit more... And this, to me, feels like that. And when you've got it compared to something like Scooby-Doo, which is much more kid-based, it's much more kind of like, here's a plot and we're going to go mm-hmm. through and and this is this is more like non-sequiturs, you know. It doesn't have the cutaway gags, but it kind of is in, in that um, that vein. So yeah, just, there's I enough there to keep adults going. You know, it's it's not entirely stupid. You know what I mean? It's yeah. And so prime time on a Saturday, you know, prime time is fine, but Saturday morning, um, I think, where it would stay for decades, decades and decades. Well, we watched it as kids. You know, it's exactly. probably still on Cartoon Network now. Let's be honest. It's... Well, I mean, the age-old rule, Joe, is like, what are you paying for the Jetsons in twenty twenty? Probably not a lot. Yeah. You know. No, um, I wouldn't think so. So. No. It is interesting, and, and, and we'll try and sort of keep in mind as we go on, you know, through the rest of this plot that you know this what this was when it was made and who it was made for, which is you know important. Um, so we have the sexy French robot, as we've mentioned, and then we meet what's the name of this robot? Rosie or something? Rosie, Rosie. yeah. Uh, Rosie the robot, who is like the, the the character that we all remember from the actual season, uh, the actual yeah. series, so to speak. Um, and she's uh, what we're told is like a. She's an old she's model. F- she's like an old shop model. She's uh, the feisty grandma, isn't she? You know, kind of, yeah, uh, that they own. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and what's the menial task? Although that's no, another not questionable tasks, thing. Just that's another questionable buttons. thing here because Rosie is, like we're told, she's like an old, you don't want this one. She's, you know, she's an old um, shop model, but you can have a cheap. And so um, Jane says, oh, well, because uh, her mother's told her, like, you, you can get the robot bring it home, keep it for a day and then return it. Um, and that, you know, they won't charge you. And, and Jane's like, oh, grand, that's great because my husband is a loser. Um, so they bring the robot home and, and the robot cooks dinner and she's playing with all the kids. And it's quite like a like some fun animation where she's like throwing the football with uh, Elroy and, and mm-hmm. you know, and, and like, you know, especially talking about the animated series, like some quite, maybe not, Amazing, amazingly like fluid animation, but some quite like action heavy scenes for this for this episode. Um, and the reason I thought the Rosie thing is weird is because they throw her out at the end of this episode, and she goes to a bus stop? Question <laughs> mark. Like she doesn't return to the store. Like, so have they bought her? Have they not bought her? Does this robot have some kind of agency where she can choose to be bought? <laughs> 
or what? It's really confusing, and I'm not honestly like I'm really confused by the writing <laughs> here because George goes and finds it at the robot bus station. Like buses? I thought we got around yeah. by. Ch- anyway, there's a lot of questions I have. Um, it's not worth getting. <laughs> she also into. she also gets like coughs because of dust, um, which seems an odd thing for a robot to do. But hey. Oh yeah, well, she's knocking out the rug. That's weird, yeah. isn't it? She's knocking out the rug, and there's loads of dust comes off it, and she starts coughing. So that seems like a bit of a design flaw for a robot, to be honest. Mm, mm. Also, I mean, ma- maybe, cleaners? yeah, maybe we're um, we're like being too overzealous. We're doing a podcast about objections. I said maybe. I said maybe. But I think there is like yeah, there is a good there is there is a good thing because she makes this upside down pineapple cake, doesn't she? Um yep. for, for, for and, I, and I say pineapple. she makes it, I think she presses the sequence of buttons to for oh, the replicator. Can I say it looks absolutely fucking disgusting. It's white. It, also, it looks awful. Also, if a robot who may or may not be owned by this family, question mark, um dumps food on your head, are you leaving the house? Getting halfway home and then beginning to eat this food which is on your head. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> I retract my previous statement, Your Honour. That's what Joe would do. <laughs> I mean, don't want it to go to waste. I would probably not eat food that had been dumped on my head. I mean, you waste probably don't have a choice. I, I, I was thinking that he was like trying to clear himself off and it was going into his mouth or, or a bit had gone into his mouth. <laughs> And then he started to really kind of like, oh, actually, maybe I was wrong about that guy. Maybe he has made a good choice by hiring this robot who's pressed buttons or to make this cake. So he, ends, so he ends up actually ringing Jetson back from like wherever he is and telling him he's good. Um, yeah, but what, it, where is he? Like in like relation to this phone box? Like he's just driving home, is he, or something? No, he's I don't in know. this phone box, and presumably he's at the space bus station, which is when you don't want to take the space tubes to go places. I presume. Yeah. Well, again, when you don't have enough money, again, maybe, maybe the con- space tubes are confusing mix of. Mm-hmm. But he ends up giving Jetson the rise, the, the raise he wanted based on this pineapple cake that got dumped on his face, um, basically. So there you go, there you go, people. That's, That's kind of the end of the episode. Uh, well, no, ke- sorry. Ke- and go on. Well, one thing: are we done with the? Are you, are you more to say on the plot, Dave? Uh, just That's briefly, it. I would say that. So we're nearly done, but like basically, then. That after Spacely rings him, he says he, he goes to get Rosie from the space bus station, and brings her back. And they question mark take now that he's or... now that she's useful to him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I just want to know what agency these robots have. You know, yeah, but I, I'm thinking it's the same as like Star Wars, where they can feel pain. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Why did they program us to feel pain? <laughs> <laughs> because remember in the in the um, in the the Jawas sand crawler, you know they're torturing the robots. They can feel pain. They have fear. They're fully aware of what's going around them. Um, they can wipe the memory at any point. You can deactivate them at any point, and they're regularly treated and sold like like cattle. So I think it's that level. That's why I think it is. I think Star Wars rules. Great. All um, the horrible aspects got you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. None of the benefits. <clears throat> One thing, and it doesn't. This isn't in. The, the 80s version but the one thing that I think just absolutely I love is the laugh track <laughs> I was going to say like, how I have we never, not as mentioned a, that as, yet yeah as a as a kid like um, I was waiting to bring it up after the plot but whatever um, <laughs> the, oh, yeah. as, as a kid like you never notice it but like going back and watching it the first thing I, I saw like I, I kind of like noticed of it was like there's a laugh track in this an odd decision 
<laughs> in a cartoon. In a well, it is, but it's also it's also kind of like it's in. There's a laugh track in the Flintstones, and you, you, it's kind of just the way that all TV was made. You yeah. know, in that at that time, everything like those type of shows had laugh tracks. If not necessarily a laugh track or a live studio audience, but even then it would live be sweetened. It would be. It's again. um, it's one of those though, isn't it? It just underlines the fact, like Dave says, this is basically a sitcom, but in yeah. space. It's yeah. Anim- yeah. But it's animated, yeah. Um, which is odd. But there's but, there's also I think like just it just as yeah, it it really does stick out as from a 2020 viewing because. You're like, well, not only is there no audience, there could no, there could not be any audience. <laughs> what they did, they film the, did they film them like animating them? It's very, it's a huge strain on the animators' wrists. Um, but there's just, there's just loads of different questions I have. However, I guess you kind of, you kind of don't notice it eventually. You know, you watch a couple of episodes and the laugh track goes away, um, in your mind. But it's, it's just, it's a nice little throwback to a, a simpler time, I think. A simpler time when segregation existed and you could possibly buy your own robots unclear. Yes. Um, so I guess what I want to do now, because like, I feel like we're probably done talking about this episode itself, um, unless anyone else has any other hot takes. No, don't so. Nope. Cool, so let, let's talk about what we thought of this, because I know that Sam has has a bit about Futurama that he want, probably wants to get into. So, <laughs> so, Joe, what did you think of this actual episode of TV? Like, with our blank slate podcaster face of on it you know did you enjoy this did this waste your time i did enjoy this weirdly um jetsons wasn't something i really watched as a child it was always on but it wasn't something that i religiously kind of went out to watch um and i didn't really know what to expect going back to it but i actually did enjoy it um you know i think it's quite fun episode i think even now if a child was to watch it they'd probably find it fun um and, and, and as we've said right the way through, you can definitely see that there's aspects there that was kind of designed so that adults could watch along as well and not kind of hate it. Um, so, yeah, I, kinda, I did enjoy it. I thought it was a pretty good pilot, to be honest. It does everything it needed to. Cool. Um, sounds like a one and one eight thumbs up from Joe. Sam? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I do like this. And I, I think probably because it reminds me of, like, watching these shows as a kid. <laughs> You know, there's that nostalgia is like double layered, obviously, for a nostalgic time in the 60s when, you know, pre Vietnam and, and the, the kind of like the futurism I really like. But also, obviously, we watched this when we were younger. Um, yeah, you mentioned my bit about Futurama. I, I say what I thought about this episode before. Oh, sorry, go on, go on. <laughs> Fucking cutting me off. No, um, no, you can't. We will definitely circle back to your bit about Futurama. Uh, I, I, I largely agree. I thought this was, this was, a, this was fine. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, but maybe not as much as I enjoyed it as a kid. When I when I was a kid, I didn't enjoy these sitcommy plot lines with George Jetson feeling he's underpaid because that's not interesting. What I enjoyed is the tubes. I enjoyed the machines that make the breakfast. I enjoyed the robot rushing around doing things. I enjoyed like the the, the futurism, like I said, um, the tubes especially, like you know, and the the conveyor belts they use to get around. How these people aren't in chairs, like Wally, I don't know. Um, that's what I tuned in to watch the Jetsons for, um, and I distinctly remember as a kid, like I think we caught the last twenty minutes of the movie that came out in nineteen ninety, um, and then it was never on TV again, uh, and I haven't watched it since. But I remember being really like distraught that I couldn't watch the movie because it just mm-hmm. wasn't 
on TV. I don't even know. I know nothing about the movie. Absolutely Neither do I, nothing. Sam. That's the point. But it's just—it's weird. It's a weird one that we would have missed because you think this would be right up our, right up our street. Um, yeah, like I. <laughs> so the Future Armor thing—it's obviously Future Armor is is really a parody of the Jetsons and many of the many of that like era of retro futuristic um, shows. We did uh, Captain Scarlet. <clears throat> A while ago, and that's a good example of like retro futurism, you know, sixties and, and early seventies visions of what the future would be like. And it's twenty, I think it's twenty sixty two in this. It's hundred years. Um, oh, has it got a date? I didn't realize. Yeah, it's twenty. It's twenty sixty two. <laughs> we are now and, closer to when Jetsons was set than when it aired. Yeah, we're, well, we're. I think by the time we get there, we'll be in our seventies, so we'll have missed the two hour work weeks. Probably, <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have worked the forty. And no, we still won't have retired, Sam. We'll be fine. Oh, that's um, good, yeah. So while talking about the film, by the way, apparently they did a direct-to-video animated film um, called The Jetsons and WWE Robo WrestleMania. <laughs> you bastard. You stole my final piece. Joe, <laughs> the final piece of the puzzle. Don't seem to connect. <laughs> well, 27 years after the... After, after, after the film, they made a film with the likes of The Big Show um, actually starring in it, uh, Vince didn't, McMahon was in it. Didn't they do a lot of this? Didn't, didn't they do a lot of this for Scooby Doo as well? Like there was a, there was this thing in the nineties and like oh, the of like 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 wrestling and your favorite cartoon stars. I'm fairly sure there was like a Scooby Doo and at WrestleMania type mystery. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, but yeah, so on on Future Armor. So this is what's inadvertent for me is like how much this reminds me of Future Armor. <laughs> <laughs> which is really stupid, obviously, because this this came out a long time before. But I think because of the silliness of it, the quirkiness, and the futuristic setting, like you see the bones, you see the kind of um, the 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 for the forethought of of what future armor will become, and you see it all in this. And I kind of just like I'm just waiting for Fry to pop up, you know, and for that thing to for, for the for the characters to to be in this. And and I just like. There's something really attractive about the way that the that they look towards the future in this. That kind of lens. It's so optimistic. It's so ridiculously optimistic, you know, that, that they've got all of these conveniences and their, their work weeks substantially shorter and um and yet they're still having the same old sitcom problems like my well, boss coming to dinner. It's just, it's <laughs> so. just like it's this presumption of how the future will play out, you know, if if we didn't again not to be really harp on about the left wing thing but like this is what the future would be like if you know people could be high minded Star Trek does it a lot as well like what if people weren't at all like people are oh great Mm -hmm. well the future would be lovely and wonderful we'd have all of these great things and technologies and everyone would get along and there'd be no war or hunger and but actually the reality is that like even if these technology existed um, it would be harnessed by a corporation to oppress us uh, and yeah. like it's like I said, Sam, it's quite it's quite nice and and pleasant to see something that's maybe like it doesn't it has didn't occur to the writers of this that that is how things would actually play out. You know, the future is always alien. You know that is the, that that is my rule. Is like everything is coming towards alien. There's going to be spaceships, and we're going to have you you know people are going to be able to travel to the stars, and they're going to be paid a pittance. To do so while you know being uh, abused by massive corporations, so absolutely. Um, and then when their frozen bodies recovered several decades later, um, they will be economically forced to go through it all again. 
for our entertainment. Of course, <laughs> Weaver and all those events. Um, so I guess that's it from us this week. Uh, this was a fun, interesting one to do. Something a bit different. Um, and I think we are going to be following it up with some, some more animation this month. Um, so stay tuned for that mystery Gots show. Gots to love some animation. Gots to love the animations. Um, you really do. So I hope we're all enjoying our January and we will see you next week. See you later. See you then.